Huzzah! I'm Spider, and welcome to the Jacks Rangers, a New England Free Jacks podcast. And here is your host, Phil Harris. Yeah! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I am broadcasting from beautiful Manchester, New Hampshire here at the Granite Outpost. Tough loss at Fort Quincy, the first loss ever in the history of Fort Quincy against our hated rivals, New Jersey. We'll get into that and much more here in episode 45. We're calling this one Chowder Cup champions because that's exactly what the free jacks are this episode and every episode is presented by storm along american hard cider let's get right into it baby Woo! Saddle up, Rangers. Let's ride into episode 45, Chowder Cup Champions. The Free Jacks are Chowder Cup Champions, having defeated the New Jersey Old Blacks twice this year. Super excited to get some hardware, the first of many, hopefully, for the Free Jacks this year. Got a couple of announcements to talk about. The first one I wanted to mention is we're doing a live stream along with the Free Jacks organization and the First Regiment. This is produced by our Irish cousins over there. Big Joe Shepard at the Three Bod Rugby Group is putting this on for us. This is going to be on Thursday of this week, June the 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check our Facebook group, The Jacks Rangers Show on Facebook to watch along as we do our live stream with the Free Jacks and members of the 1st Regiment. Super excited about that. Also wanted to make the formal announcement that the Spider Appreciation Game will be the first playoff game for the Free Jacks in our history on June the 19th at Fort Quincy. That just means that we hope to see everybody dress up like spider get your tricorn hat continental army shirt if not a continental army shirt then a spider-man uniform shirt would work as well and don't forget your daisy dukes as well rangers and continentals hope to see you all dressed up as spider on june the 19th just to honor our favorite free jacks super fan also coming up this week you know of course the free jacks do not have a game this weekend because we have a bye week with the free jacks earning that bye week we will be watching together Together, the Atlanta versus New York game down there in Atlanta. That is Saturday, June the 12th at 6 p.m. We call this Ranger Tavern. That is going to be on our Twitter account on Twitter Spaces. So if you want to log into Twitter, if you have a Twitter account at 6 p.m., join our Twitter Spaces titled Ranger Tavern. We'll just be, you know, talking some crap, uh, drinking some Storm Along American Hard Cider, and just yeah, talking about the Free Jacks and observing what's taking place down there in Atlanta as the winner of that game will play the Free Jacks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Voting has ended for the Fans Player of the Year. The announcement will be coming soon about who won that. Of course, the winner gets some Scottish whiskey provided by Ranger Kenny. Their name on the Fans Player of the Year trophy and also a ring that is provided by the Jacks Rangers show. The lineup today will be, we have Daniel Mejia, who is a local legend when it comes to youth rugby coaching. He was on the show. He was able to join us. We only have 40 minutes on the 
the Zoom. We don't have premium on that. I use a different service, long story short. We haven't been able to work out the kinks on that yet. So we do use Zoom and there's only 40 minutes. So Daniel loves to talk and we didn't want to stop talking. We'll just have to do a, a second interview to get into more questions. But he does answer a lot of who, what, when, where, and why for youth rugby coaching. So we appreciate having him on and look forward to part two with Daniel down the road here in the off season. Also, Bozo 6 will be after Daniel. Rapid reactions and picks. And finally, we'll have our Outriders review of the New Jersey All Blacks game, aka Hoboken RFC game that took place at Fort Quincy as our last regular season home game. Appreciate your riding along, Rangers, and I'll see you on the other side to close up shop here. Huzzah, baby! Woo! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Ranger Show. I am joined, as always, with Dave McVeigh. We've got a very special guest this time around, a youth rugby coach in the form of Daniel Mejia. How are you, sir? Doing great, guys. I watch you guys. I've been watching you guys for a long time, so I'm really excited to be here. We appreciate it, man. Uh, We're happy that you're here for sure. Let's talk about where you're from, first and foremost. Oh, okay. So that's a long story. So um, <laughs> I'm I'm from Mexico. I'm uh, I was, I'm I'm a true immigrant. I came here when I was nine. Uh, at just the right time to be able to lose the accent. Um, but uh, when I start hanging out with my friends, my Latino friends, the the accent sometimes comes out really heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the 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 accent left, and and I went from uh, Mexico, Guadalajara, which is kind of like a. a it's a it's a very uh, um, lots of universities over there, lots of museums. Mm-hmm. Um, it's close to the Pacific uh, Ocean. Um, it's up in a valley, so it's uh, in the seventies year round. Uh, we have two seasons: there's the raining season and the dry season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, um, we decided to come to Boston, Massachusetts, because you know <laughs> why not, right? That's exactly right. what you want to do. Yes, um, pretty much the same weather-wise, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and, and actually I came in December, uh, uh, 1980. So we had like a, I missed the blizzard of 79. Um, but there was a bunch of blizzards that followed that one. And everybody was all like ginger about blizzards because of the fact that the, was it 79 or 76, whatever it was, the big one. Um, before my time. yeah, it, it was everybody's all ginger about it. And like people right now make fun of the fact that like eggs and bread and butter and milk, you know, everything, you know, everybody gets really hungry for like French toast after a snowstorm or <laughs> yep. when a snowstorm is coming. Um, like it was like people were panicking because people had been stuck in their cars for a week. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I came from Mexico. I, you know, uh, we had the tiki tack type of uh, soccer over the street soccer. You know, everybody mm-hmm. in Mexico is born with a soccer ball um, and, and and that was that was my experience. That's that's what I came from. And uh, I, I came to the United States and uh, Boston, Massachusetts, when I was nine years old and uh, go heat school. Um, and um, it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I came. So I came at the exact right time, like a big snowstorm had just come. Uh, they had just cleared everything away. So people were actually able to get me out of the airport. And then uh, two days later, there was a huge snowstorm. And then two weeks later, there was another huge snowstorm. So I went from tiki tack soccer in the sun, 70 degrees year round. Well, 70s, 80s year round. Um, it was one train ride away from uh, the coast. So everybody just got on the train and mm-hmm. went to the coast. They went to uh, Puerto Vallarta and Manzanillo um, and had a fantastic time. Um, came to the United States and it was just I was snowed in. I was cold. I'd never seen snow before. 
and it was awesome. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, it was a sled. I was, I was, you know, there was so much snow. I was tunneling through the snow. Uh, there was kids everywhere, you know, because there was, you know, back in the day before like fun got sucked out. Um, mm-hmm. there was snow days, so yeah. like kids just kids just rioted into the streets, right? Like really slow ride because it's like oh snow snow. But um, we would all just ride into the snow, and um, it was awesome. I absolutely loved it. I had a I had a I had a charmed youth, uh, both in Mexico and in the United States. Uh, you know, then you know that. So moving on, you you know, where did you come from? What was your rugby journey? I think you're about to ask me. Yeah. Um. So I got through fourth grade, fifth grade, all that, all that fun stuff of learning what it is to be like an American, right? So, uh, so I, I tried soccer over here because I love soccer. Uh, for some reason, I hated the way it was being done. I can't explain it. All it I, must all have been I know, totally different in it terms was of like the so, gameplay and what it felt like to play. Yeah, exactly. It was just I, 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 I can't analyze it i don't know because it was so long ago but i was just so turned off by it and i remember thinking like people are just not having fun this is just not fun nobody's having fun people are miserable they're just not having fun now again this was in the this would have been like in the 80s right so like the world soccer cup hadn't even arrived in the united states the united states was uh, the world soccer cup was 95 96 98 99 so like like soccer was a thing but it wasn't a big thing yet um so i i i did i did you know grade school in middle school and um it was also around the time that uh, the celtics were just like exploding right so for some reason i gave up soccer i hated soccer i started trying to watch american football i just didn't understand it it was just really boring but i loved basketball because like it was it you, you turn over the ball now you're in offense now you're in defense right. now you're in offense you know oh it's so fast and all this and all that i tried it at school i was miserable at it but i was having fun <laughs> i think it was at that time people were, were, were you know there was you know the whole larry bird you know yeah. era versus oh, yeah. Magic johnson and everything like you know the 76ers and Irwin, like everything it was just basketball was just fun so i i was having a lot of fun playing with my friends i was just awful at it i was god awful (laughs) oh i'm five six at best when i'm wearing heels you know i'm in like prince i like to wear really tall heels so i can make myself look taller (laughs) um and it was just uh it's just so basketball hit like all like the all the fun in me so i enjoyed that for a while and uh went to high school uh by then i knew that basketball was yeah no i i knew that you know uh you know kareem abdul jabbar right i was mm-hmm. i was not going to be kareem abdul jabbar um i was not going to make it uh or chief you know or, or robert Parrish. i, I was not going to hit any of those so i i i'll i'll do what you know uh, american i was trying to be you know american let's do what american kids i'll try to do football i had fun with football and i think i started growing into it my shoulders started coming out the beer gut wasn't there yet so i could actually move around quite a bit right <laughs> right um so i was having i was having fun with football and uh and then one day you know walking back from football practice i saw these kids playing this other thing i never seen it before had no idea what it was all i know is that half the team said no dude you don't want to go over there that's just crazy so (laughs) of course you know i dropped off my equipment then i went back to see what that was and i had a blast because i couldn't do basketball anymore and basketball was just 
fun. You know, yeah. I was probably the, I was probably the worst basketball player to be on your team because I sucked. And all I did was just laugh and just do weird stuff. Right. You know, <laughs> nice. So, so basketball is fun that way. It's probably the most oh, like yeah. there's nothing about it. You'd really don't have to be very good at basketball unless as long as somebody's not, you know, just slapping the ball in your face. Yeah. You yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. to be very good at basketball to have fun playing basketball. It's a very easy sport to just kind of goof around. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can always pass the ball to somebody else, mm-hmm. set right. somebody else up to take a shot. Oh yeah, exactly. And and I think you know that the, it's funny now that we're talking about this. It's 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 getting me thinking. You know, um, back in the day in Mexico when you played soccer, a lot of times you you pass the ball up to the guy further up, and then you know because you were a little bit back, you'd make fun of the defense and like dance around and just do like whatever, just to like because you could goof around. And in basketball, there's also like a lot of switching. You know, like yeah. you pass the ball, yeah. you could circle around the back, and while you're doing that, you can you know goof on everybody else or at least that's how i played basketball so i like playing it that way nobody knew what you know nobody (laughs) nobody knew what i was doing i didn't didn't care because i was having a lot of fun so so then i i I drop off my equipment and start walking back i start looking at this thing and they just grabbed me and pulled me in you know and i and i figured out that that's like that's a huge part of everybody's rugby experience in, in as far as like uh like like your genesis like what Mm -hmm. what is your origin story to rugby and half the time is well i was you know i was this brooding child or maybe i wasn't but somebody grabbed me and they're like you're coming with me and it's like ah and you you experience rugby that way and and it's so much fun i tell you it's like 90 percent of all stories i ever heard of of rugby and people enjoying rugby get pulled into rugby is because somebody was already in there reached out and in many cases physically grabbed them and oh, put yeah. them in there or made it so that you were going to be there. So they threw so, me in there. I was having so, oh, I was scissoring back and forth. I was doing all these weird things and it was okay because the game kind of expected it. Yeah. It was, it was just awesome. I was, I, 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 I right there started this very, long love affair you know that many times you know it hasn't been it hasn't been a two-way street you know times it's, it's been kind of a, a a bad codependent relationship other times <laughs> it's been this beautiful thing that just 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 enriches my life and and it brings me life and, and everything and, and other times it's it's been a, a destructive you know and but it's i, I guess it as you go through the different stages in life and as you go through the different stages in rugby, I mean, you know, I think everybody's tried to quit rugby five or six or 20 times. I've, I've tried to quit a bunch of times and something it, it's such a deep, rich sport. You know, the, the rabbit hole is so deep that if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. You're not, you're, you're stuck in whatever rut yep. you're in. You're not looking at it from another aspect. And that's just the playing part of it. Like, never mind the refereeing of it, the coaching of it. There's just so many layers to it. Um, that it's just, it's just, it's just, it's astounding. It's just been, it's been a wonderful, wonderful trip. Uh, so- Daniel, yeah, <laughs> that, that was awesome. Thank you for that. You definitely answered the question. Um, <laughs> can I so add that, like, so where- that's how I started. Sorry, yeah, where did you play after that? Like what, what club right. is that in the Boston club scene yeah, yeah, or yeah. school scene or what? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was very lucky. So I, uh, Brookline high school, I started at Brookline high school. So I'll, I'll, I'll give my lineage, you know, this is the song of my people. I'll yeah. give you my lineage and then I'll drill into any one of those that you want to hear about. So the first time that I was exposed to rugby was, uh, at Brookline high school. Um, played there and um, there was this I didn't understand until later but there's this uh, there's this not so hidden secret 
that if you play for Boston, uh, sorry, if you play for Brooklyn High School, your older brother team is the Boston men. So that's where you were going to play afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a couple stages in between. During the summers, there was the Acton 10. Um, I don't know if yep. it's still going or not. But yeah. Brooklyn High School put in put a team uh, every year, put a Brooklyn High School team there. Um, and it was really, it was 99% Boston men, plus maybe some other people that joined up that, you know, that, that either wanted to, we let them in or they were, they were, I don't know. They were just weirdos. We let them in because um, <laughs> rugby always has that remainder. There's always like the, yeah. the, yes. the thing that hangs on, you know, that little vest or whatever it is, but you're like, yeah, that's okay. They're weird, but we're, they're with us. Mm -hmm. um, so I did Brooklyn high school. Then I did, uh, Oh, sorry. There was a uh, Brandish university in between. I, uh, I, yeah. I forgot about that. So I did college for a while. And uh, that was a huge disappointment, but it was actually a wonderful thing. It's one of those things where like, you know, um, you know, when, when a door closes, a window is open type of situation. Right. Um, so I, I did, I did Brooklyn high school, Brandeis university, Boston men. Um, then the company that I was working for, uh, you know, fortune 5,000, no fortune 500, uh, top five investment, Fidelity investments. I was working for Fidelity for a long time. <laughs> yep. They moved down, they moved down to uh, Rhode Island. I did the reverse commute for three three four years and then finally what's that saying i uh i divorced the club and, and quit the girlfriend um and and <laughs> went to went to right actually i i apologize i yeah what divorcing the club was hard and i apologize i i, I didn't quit the girlfriend it, things yeah. did, actually didn't work out so i came down to rhode island um and it was at a time when i thought okay i'm i'm not you know now i'm going to be a pop uh practice only player you know second half b-side sunny day yeah yep. um but things the way they were i just played for another five or six years with providence men and then and then um then transitioned to coaching um men and men and women here in providence i actually coached already in 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 college that's where that's what you know the whole brandeis thing saying it was awful but it was wonderful uh, mm -hmm. uh that's why i sort of started coaching over there um, went to Boston, went to Providence, um, coached there for, played for a long time, played for a while, uh, coached for a while, and then took a sabbatical to start raising my own rugby club, uh, two boys. And um, <laughs> before I knew it, um, there was a, this thing called youth rugby, and I got swallowed up into it literally without expecting it. Um, so there's, there's a lot of stories there. There's a story about what was going on at college rugby. There's a lot about what was going on at Boston men. There's a lot going on at Brandeis, uh, sorry, at Providence. And then at youth, do you want to yeah. hear about any of those? I want to hear about how you got into coaching youth rugby. That's, that's what we're wanting to hear. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what I'm really, I'm focusing right now is, uh, coaching youth and, um, literally, um, Everything that I've learned about coaching has been preparing me for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so my, my coaching journey was I started at Brooklyn High School as a player. I played under Ian Ryrie. Uh, that was the longest running high school program in the Northeast. Mm. Uh, him and Gary Smalls uh, started programs one after another to be able to play one another. So it was Brookline Marshfield. Um, and by the time I joined in 1990, around that time period, um, it already been going for about like 20 years. Ian Ryrie was a giant mm. of a man. He was like five four or two 
but his personality was just huge. And he'd been he'd ha- he'd had that program going for he had that program going for about twenty years before I arrived. So it was really firing on all cylinders. He did stuff. He did stuff that I literally did not realize until like twenty years later. Like wow. one of my biggest most glorious moments in rugby life was at the Acton 10. I, you know, life circles around. Um, I was playing, Ian was playing on the same, we were playing together on the same team. I was playing with my coach. Yeah. We, we won, we won the game. We won the tournament and we, I got to drink harpoon out of the, out of the, the cup, you know, as being passed around and Ian passed it to me. And it was just such an incredible moment to be like, I'm, Drinking harpoon with like my high school coach is incredible. <laughs> so I was I was I was playing at a at, at what I believe what no it was a great program it was an excellent program and then I went to collegiate men's division three, which was awful. It really was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's it so much fun. So I showed up with my cleats. I showed up with my kit. I went to practice. I went right into the drills. And they're like, you like their jaw dropped. They're like, how do you know what's going on? And I was like, oh, I played, you know, I played, I played Brooklyn High School. You know, I, I thought everybody played rugby. They're like, no, you're starting on Saturday, like, you know, like in two days. Right. Um, so I played scrum, I played scrum, scrum half for a while. Now I went into my college career thinking high school rugby is like brought me up to a level. I can't wait yeah. to play at the next level. Right. And I went, I went to high school and then I went to college and it was like, Whoo. <laughs> so suddenly they're like, Oh, well, you're going to have to be a starter. You're going to have to be the captain. You're going to have to be the coach. And I was like, right. Ah. Right. You um, got to teach us how to play rugby. You gotta right. teach us how- exactly. Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't know how to coach it. I only know how to play it. Yeah. Um, USA rugby was doing a lot to get the coaching and, you know, George hook and Eddie O'Sullivan were, were running their um, USA rugby coaching programs at that point. And we all drove out to North Adams, uh, Massachusetts, and um, got a coaching certificate. It was a lot of fun. That was awesome. I got to like, you know, talk and chat and think rugby with a lot of people. And it was it was an incredible amount of fun. So I was disappointed in, in the rugby playing, which pushed me into coaching. And then I sort of followed up, kept coaching through that. Then I coached Brandeis men, Brandeis women, uh, division three. We tried to do this cool thing, which was like select side for division three to then go over to like, I think it was the beast of the East and, and play, you know, with a select side from D three, mm-hmm. uh, other, other teams. So I, you know, I, I did all that. I coached Providence men, Providence women. Uh, when I was trying to, when I was trying to figure out how to coach, um, uh, especially women, cause Brandeis started a women's club. And I thought, you know, all those great motivational things that I've seen coaches, Ian never did this. Ian never did this. So I'll give that as I, I, I let me walk that back, but especially uh, other sports and, you know, the, the kind of, the type of vitriol that just spews out of people to try to motivate young men. I was ready to start using all those foul language words to motivate women. And I realized this is not going to work at all. Like this is just not this, this is not right. Right. So I thought like, like, do you coach men and women differently? Like what, what, what do I do? Where do I go to find out these secrets? And 
Beantown women were like just down the street. In fact, they were practicing at the same field that Boston men were practicing at. And at that point, I, I basically stopped playing with Brandeis and I just started going to Boston men as a, as a college kid and then just coaching uh, Brandeis. Hmm. So then after practices or I showed up early, I can't remember if it's eight or early. I don't remember. It was late. It, later. I would stay late and watch the women practice. And uh, they had just some incredible coaches. Joni was there at that time and Walter was there. I got to chatting with Walter. He's just a fantastic human being. He just is. So I just understudied with them. And at one point I set it up so winter practices, they could come to Brandeis and we practiced together in the same gym. So I got to like watch them for a while, learn from them. I started going over there to like really figure out what they were doing. Um, then I brought them over to Brandeis University. And so it, it started getting more of those little tools in my tool belt, you know, for, for coaching. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward, cause we're supposed to hear talk about, you know, youth um, fast forward. I find out that there's a youth program in rent the Massachusetts and I, I live in Providence. So, Whoa, that's weird. Well, I'm super excited. I've got to go see this. I tell my wife, wife, you know, I'm going to go see this rugby thing and rent them. She's like, yes, you should go do that. Okay, fine. So I'm getting ready. You know, I wait till Sunday morning because uh, youth rugby, for the most part, practices Sunday mornings, um, which is just a terrible joke for anybody that's still playing and trying to coach. So Sunday morning, I get myself ready. I'm about to go. And she goes, I'm about to leave. I'm leaving out the door. And she opens the door and she goes, what are you doing? And I was like, wife, we spoke about this. You know, I could do what I can, what I, you know, what I want, as long as I clear it with you. I told you I was going to do this youth rugby thing. And she goes, yes. Why aren't you bringing the kids? And I was like, yes, that's really stupid. Why am I not bringing the kids? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it for me. I wanted to see yeah, what, because right. I heard that some of the guys that I played with were coaching at that point. So I took the kids. We went over there and had an awesome time. It was like, it, you know, it was like a high school reunion or something. Half the guys I played with were there. We're having a great time. The kids are having a great time. I'm sitting in the sidelines trying not to be that Pop Warner, you know, dad, like, you know, running out there, always telling my kid what to do. Um, but they threw me a bone. They're like, hey, wait a second. You know, you know, rugby and coaching. Would you like to come out and join? I was like, no, no, I don't. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. So I, I ran out there and it just very, very, very quickly became clear kind of like that moment where i realized that i can't use that vitriol to to motivate women right all those skills that you have as an elite coach to motivate and 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 shape and build up elite players no throw that out the window if you start doing 2v1s if you start doing drills even if they're not very complicated you have lost them. And, you know, rule number one in coaching is, which I'm violating right now completely. And, and it, you, you see my personality. Talk less. Just, just talk less. You know, there's no way you're going to be able to impart on anybody the entire vast. And I tell you, my rugby knowledge is encyclopedic. Absolutely. I know, I know every, like, I, I, I think of myself as a forward, but I'm also a student of backs. Mm -hmm. So my knowledge, my encyclopedic knowledge of rugby is, and I want to convey all of that in one conversation, everything I know from A to C, that's about as far as I know, you know, <laughs> other people I know D, E, F, all the way to Z, but you know, everything I know, I want to be able to just impart as long as they just sit there and stare at me and watch me as I speak yeah. nonstop for 20 minutes, that doesn't work for anybody. Right. 
even less for kids. You talk to them for more than like 15 seconds. You've already lost half of them. You got to, mm-hmm. you got to get them going. You got to break every, so you, you got to break rugby down into its absolute core and then take that and break it down into what it's, it's constituent like pieces. And then every single one of those break it down. Like, Oh, I've got the perfect drill. Great. Break that down 10 times. So that like the first part of the drill you run is literally them not knowing that they're starting this. And I don't think, I don't think of them as drills or activities. I think of them as progressions. Here's the start of progression and it's got 10 steps. And if you can build it into a good game of um, sharks and minnows, if you can do sharks and minnows and sharks and minnows, then you start at, Oh, you guys are doing great. Let me challenge you. Let me go throw this other challenge. Cause you guys are doing great. Oh, you guys are doing great with that. Let me throw this other challenge. Don't explain it. Just throw the challenge out. And then when like some of them pick it up, say, Hey, watch these kids. They're doing great. Then you're probably doing okay. ish. <laughs> <laughs> okay with kids but that's been a lot of fun i found uh, i found rentham they were amazing i mean they were just they've been working they you know shout out barbarians and if i had the background I'll see if i could put it on barbarians were just amazing they, they were great they'd already been there for a while they were evolving i showed up i had a lot of coaching experience they did not so we sat down and we did a lot of great thinking at the bar and figured out like where do we need to get to um i was able to show them a lot of like you know uh, you know, coaching fundamentals that I knew of. We grew as 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 as, as friends and as a coaching staff. Um, every single one of those coaches in, in that program is just fantastic. If anybody's thinking of getting into coaching uh, youth, or if you coach youth, just go watch them for just one practice. I think there should be a lot more cross pollinating of different coaches mm-hmm. going to different practices, uh, even at the highest level. In fact. The, the best coaches, even at the highest level, they do that, you know, um, you know, players, uh, am I going to go, uh, just sure, I'll go there. Um, you know how, like, um, when you're a single player and you don't have a team and you lend yourself out to another team, mm-hmm. I think, I think coaches should be doing that. And, and the most successful coaches seem to do that. They, they lend themselves They just show up somewhere and they start, you know, they start, they start learning from, and there's no secrets. Nobody's going to maybe, maybe, okay. At, at, at the highest levels. Yes. Maybe they want to keep the, uh, the, um, the uh the game plan you know folder or in the calls and all that kind of hidden but for the most part most coaches pretty happy with like you know you know you're a developing coach you're you're developing teams come out i'll show you what what we do don't come too often so you don't get all our secrets but right um but i i in 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 that's really that's admirable i I love that i've never had i think some of my best my, my best memories are just just picking up like i'm i went to selections camp a bunch in college, not as a player. I went over there and be like, Hey, can I help out? I just want to see how you run a selections camp. And, uh, and I, and they're like, they didn't know what to do. Well, what, who do you coach? I, I coach a nobody team, but I want to find, I want to learn from you guys. Uh, um, what was, what was his name? He's uh, he's got a podcast right now. It'll come, it'll come to me later. Peter Steinberg, Peter Steinberg. He was doing a uh, select side at that yep. point. And um, I in it was in new England. It was in the area. So I just went to help. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll be a semi autonomous cone. You tell me to stand here and do a couple <laughs> things. I'll just stand here and I'll just learn. Uh, and that was, that was a lot of fun. So coaching youth has been, ext- it's been so fulfilling. It's been a lot of fun and, and it's 
frustrating as it is at times, I'll tell you, um, I, that play, everybody's coached that player that just is uncoachable. And at least here they have an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Very, good. Very good. They're just not old enough to get it yet, you know, right. as opposed to the other side. Where they're just like, oh, there's a big fish in a small pond and I will not change what I do. It's like, great. <laughs> thank you. I can't implement this new defense, which is now like super old and everybody's doing it because you won't do it. Right. What's uh, what's what's that? <laughs> what's that joke? How many uh, how many vets does it take to change a light bulb? Change, change, change. <laughs> I, I'm 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 not I'm not dissing on them. I really am not. When when things start going wrong in a game or in a season or something, your vets have seen it all. They've mm-hmm. been there from you know every. They're like they're like the bassist or they're like the drummer to a great rock and roll band. Any you know your your fly half your younger players start freaking out. Just you just tell them just watch the. Watch the vets. The right. vets will settle everything down. They will. They'll fix it. You know, no, no matter how wrong this seems right now, just just hang with the vets. Sometimes they're the ones that are a little bit hardest to be able to finagle into a new, you know, system of, of any sort. But they're the ones that are going to save you every single time. So I jest. I joked a little bit. Uh, love the vets. Love the vets. But yeah, these youths, the ones that are uncoachable, at least they have an excuse. You know, they're they're little. They will. You know, they'll 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 get older, and uh, their nervous systems will develop and allow you to actually get more coaching into them. But yeah, it's really exciting. And the Free Jacks right now, whoa! You know. They've been absolutely phenomenal. I cannot thank we uh, youth, youth, youth in, in, in Massachusetts and in Rhode Island. Like we cannot thank the Free Jacks enough. They've just been phenomenal in being able to uh, everything you know, top to bottom. They're doing the regional camp uh, stuff, uh, yes. which which is amazing. Um, and then also they're they're going out and and doing these outreach events, um, which is it's just uh, it's just amazing. You know, it's one thing me trying to recruit a couple of players. It's me trying to just show a few. You know, and it's hard. It's really hard to be able to 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 find new players and bring them to you. Um, but what we've been able to do is just schedule them. Um, at high schools and middle schools at rec centers uh, and they show up with a bag of balls. Uh, they show up with a bunch of starters. Mm-hmm. We had, um, we had uh, this summer, they've, they've come to Rhode Island three times. I've been very lucky. We've, we've you know, we've developed this relationship. Um, we had a, uh, a camp. It was a three week camp during vacation. Um, it was eight, it was eight thirty or nine to three, I think, or five. I don't know. My brain was fried. Um, I was nine to three, I think. It was basically like the full school day. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dave LaFlemme, amazing uh, Brown coach, a coach for Brown University men. Uh, he was running the high school kids. Uh, me and Chris Gray were running uh, the, the youth kids, elementary through middle school. Um, and um, I, I was lucky. I took, I took time vacation. I was able to be the, the entire time. Not everybody can do that. And I can only do that once. That's, that's it. I'm not going to be able to do it ever again this year. Um, and um, at one point we reached out, uh, you know, Jeff, uh, Jeff Karras, he's the president for uh, Rhode Island rugby. So the, the governing body for youth in Rhode Island, he reached out to the free Jacks and Hey, you know, we're doing this. Would you guys be able to come out? I hear you're doing these, these outreach events. And they sent five free jacks and three nice. were starting 
three were starting later that week. So we yeah. had it a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They came on a Wednesday. I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm going to try anyway. Uh, Slade came. Peter came. And the mechanic, Jackson, uh, Johnson, uh, Jack, Johnson, 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 yeah. Johnson, he came, uh, blew my mind. I thought it was going to be like, I don't know who was going to show up. I literally had no idea who was going to show up. Three came, right? Wheels came who like coordinates all these things. Right. Yeah. And is and is and is like my jaw dropped that three starters and wheels was coming over. Jenny showed up and she literally later that week was not starting for the free jacks. He was an airplane flying overseas to go play uh, with uh, with the Harlequins overseas. Uh, you know, England is doing that, their, their, their premier, uh, premier, Allianz premier league. Yes. Yep. Oh my God. That's, that's if, it, amazing. And uh, as much fun as I've had watching the, um, the men's five nations, dude, wait two weeks later and the women's five nation goes on. Oh, it is amazing. It's just absolutely phenomenal. So I was shocked that I was getting three, that we were getting three, you know, three starters wheels was coming over. And then Jenny, you know, who was uh, later, she's in the Eagle Pool. So she's, yeah. she's in the Eagle Pool and playing uh, Harlequin. So it just blew my mind. Daniel, I hate to interrupt, but we're yeah. about uh, a minute and 50 seconds away from having to exit the video here. So uh, I yeah, want to yeah, yeah. do something real quick. Uh, just a Shoot. quick question for you. How can people help youth rugby in New England? Just real quick. Yeah, I, I think right now exposure is really what's important. The hardest thing is being able to be effective as a club. So um, don't be shy about asking your friends, friends, your cousins, your, your whatever uh, to, to, to see if you can get kids out to teams that are already out there. OK, mm -hmm. so it's easy to say, well, yeah, just donate. Yeah, absolutely. Donate money is going to is going to help immensely because there's 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 not a lot of money right now um mm -hmm. uh in in youth rugby um but the other thing is um a, a, a an existing club or a new club that's starting brooklyn massachusetts i think has a new club that's just starting i think they have like six seven eight kids i, I don't know i've seen pictures on facebook you can't get a lot done with five or six kids right if they had 17 18 12 14 kids that makes a huge difference and it's, so now you're getting you know critical mass to be able to have really meaningful practices so it, 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 you know, different coaches might tell you otherwise, but I think right now the most important thing is grab your nephew, grab the kid down the down down the street. You know, go go make sure it's okay with their parents before you grab them and take them, right? <laughs> right. But because we were saying earlier, you know, the you know the 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 origin story to most people is you grab them and you physically bring them. Mm -hmm. Do that, but first make sure it's okay with the parents because you're going to be in all kinds of legal complications if it's not okay with the parents. So, all right, so get kids to practice. Get kids no to kidnapping, practice. and if you're yes. rich, give them money. Those are your yes. Money's always 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 going to not help. Not and with. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I'm joined once again by my buddy Bozo Six. Chris, how the hell are you? Bozo Six signing on. Let's go. Let's go. So it's playoff time. But first, we got to go over the rapid reactions of round 18. You did pretty well in this one. We'll talk about your overall record since we started this. Um, let's first talk about the most recent game. And the reason this one is a little kind of iffy about, you, you know, your pick, you made this pick prior to um, the announcement that Austin has been knocked out of the playoffs for some sort of major violation that the league has not shared with people yet. So Seattle had everything to play for in this game. 
against the Gil Weenies at an empty uh, Los, uh, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, 27 to 35. Seattle punches their ticket to the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I watched this one on the broadcast. They were trying to say like, oh, there's so many people here. It's terrible, man. When you play in such a large stadium, I don't care what you say. There could have been more fans there than at a Fort Quincy game, but you wouldn't know it with the empty stands. It was terrible. Uh, 35-27 Seawolves win. I was actually really surprised. It was a really good game. Back and forth, lead changes, both teams playing pretty well. Um, You know, really interesting. Shout out, if he ever listens to the show, shout out to Mike Petri, former USA Eagle, former NIAC, former Penn State guy unbelievable key to the game here he was like hey if you win the territory battle you'll beat the guillotinis seattle won the territory battle they beat the guillotinis i'm not shocked as far Uh, after i after i listened to him and then that came true i was like wow that's really good insight by mike petri oh wow i hope the the free jacks uh coaching staff was watching that because that could be the key to victory against them if we happen to see them later on down the road Yes, sir. Um, let's talk about the Toronto Arrows losing at home to Old Glory DC, our stepbrothers in red, white, and blue. And this one, of course, was in Toronto at York Lions Stadium, 35 to 50. What a score. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, finally, the passes are finding the hands uh, for DC. They probably had the try of the week in this one. Um, Tanana something? Frick, man, I forget how to say his name. His hair was blue. He's a wing unbelievable skills probably the try of the week in this one he gave a crazy offload got it back chipped it forward scored his own try um dc i had a funny feeling about them Uh, you know we've talked about this i thought they turned it around i've picked them a couple of times and they haven't got quite over the line i had a really big feeling that the injury woes for toronto were going to come back they're the one of the few teams that actually releases like hey here are our injuries Mm -hmm. um they had a lengthy injury report that's why i picked uh, DC and and they showed through. I I had a feeling that they would steal this one off the arrows. I feel bad for the arrows. I feel like they probably deserve to win the game, but it's cool for DC to hang their hat on the win to close out the season. Absolutely. Let's talk about the Dallas Jackals at home losing five to thirty three to the Utah Warriors. Dallas goes without a win for the their entire inaugural season. Yeah, not surprised. If only the game ended after like the first five minutes, Dallas would have won five to nothing. (laughs) Um, However, not the case. I believe it was seven to five at halftime. And then just per usual, man, like Dallas is just like every other team in the league. They're really suffering a lot of injuries. Like our boy, Kale Hodgson, former Mm -hmm. free Jack. uh, I think he injured something with his foot. I saw him in the team photo. He had a boot on, Um, but it's like, they didn't really even have all their, all their starters, which they're not even really that great. Anyway, they're like, academy plus side out here um they fought hard man um i watched a little bit of the match i was proud to see them they they fight it's not like they're not like trying out here Mm -hmm. they're really fighting hard they're just outgunned yeah they gotta go back to the drawing board in the offseason there let's talk about houston sabercats they are also in the playoffs um this one was at home 14 to 29, the Jabronis, the Austin Cheetahs, I think is the best new uh, rebranding that you came up with there, Bozo. Um, what happened in this one? The Cheetahs kid. The because Cheetahs kid. We're saying cheaters, right? But if you're in Quincy yeah. specifically, it's if you say cheetah, you could be mistaken for like the actual animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> I didn't watch any of this match. I didn't care. Uh, as soon as I saw the news that the Jabronis were out of the playoffs, I just proceeded into full like hate on the jabronis online mode um 
like people are like, oh, you spelled, I'm like, you spelled jabronis wrong. Like I was just killing, lighting people up online. Um, didn't really look at the roster for this one for, for Houston. I did pick Austin to win anyway, because they were the better team coming into the weekend anyway with a better record. Uh, Houston was going to be the third seed anyway in the playoffs. Now the second seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really care about this one, to be honest. I, I, my pick one though. So I was happy for that. Bozo is a big proponent of the beauty is in the banter. And generally I agree with him on that. Let's talk about Atlanta at home, beating the bag out of uh, the new Orleans gold 45 to 19. Oof. Yeah. Big oof. However, I believe Nola was up at halftime 19 to 15, something something like like that. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then just shut out in the second half. Atlanta finally showed up and scored some tries, but listen, I mean, this happens in rugby, right? Like, you're you're not putting it together. You're misfiring, and then as soon as Atlanta fired, like okay, Noah's gone. Um, yeah, sucks. They they got to deal with that coach for another two seasons. I don't. Yeah, yeah I don't really where, what's going on for the gold. I don't know where don't they really care. Here. Yeah, I, you know this Southern Bowl that they play, this Southern rivalry between Atlanta. Atlanta's won every single game. Uh, that's got to be tough if you're a Nola Gold fan. You know that they're they're your biggest rival because of proximity and they're them being the only other Southern-ish teams. That's got to be tough, man. But let's talk mm, about another sure. tough scenario here. Uh, our New England Free Jacks at home at Fort Quincy finally losing for the first time ever at Fort Quincy, fourteen to twenty-one to Rugby New Jersey. The Old Blacks get one over on the Free Jacks finally this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I picked the Free Jacks. I thought we had a lot more depth in them. Mm-hmm. I begrudgingly say this, but I'm kind of happy it happened, brother. And here's why. It was mostly second side versus mm-hmm. mostly second side. So to lose our that monkeys off our back, now we don't have to worry about that undefeated at home BS, mm-hmm. any of that stuff. I know that people like to say that, oh, that doesn't matter. The players don't think about that stuff. And who knows if they do or don't, but it just depressurizes the free Jacks in a way. Um, I thought that they really fought hard. I thought it was a good match. Like, listen, it was a good competitive match. And yes. if you follow the show at all, you, you know me and you know my picks. And I said that New York would take one off New Jersey, sorry, would take us off, take one off of us this yes, year. Yeah. yeah. And they did. And I picked it to be the one, uh, the second match mm-hmm. at home. I thought that they would pip us in that one. They didn't. They waited till they came to Quincy. Kind of a weird setup, though. The away team always wins the, the matchup in this one. But uh-huh. listen, neither here nor there. I'm not that worried about it, to be honest. A, a completely scoreless second half. Like, I wasn't that impressed by New York. You know, a la George St. Pierre, I'm not impressed by your performance. So, cool. <laughs> you won. Gr- good job, bud. We'll see if you can get through the quarterfinals. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're just about to talk about. But I did want to mention as well, I've done this pretty much in every segment. I wanted to say that the Free Jacks have won the Chowder Cup, the inaugural Chowder Cup against uh, Rugby New Jersey. So we've got some hardware in the cabinet, which is always nice. All right, let's jump to the schedule. Now, this is the first round of the playoffs, guys. Thank goodness the Free Jacks don't have to play in this round. We've got that automatic buy. But uh, the two games that are going to be taking place, uh, the first one being Atlanta at home against rugby, New Jersey, who you got? Yeah, this one was really tough to pick. Actually. Um, if you're picking off recent form, you will notice that they had all their, all uh, their old blacks there uh-huh. and Atlanta beat the brakes off of them in Hoboken. Yes. But if you remember earlier on the season, New York skinned them at home in the snake pit. Mm-hmm. I think the margin of victory was six points. I want to say it was like something like 36 to 28. Uh, I did not do any homework. 
So please double check me on that, but I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm close to the score line. Um, it's really tough. It is. I'm going to take our second cousins, rugby ATL. Let's go. Absolute nail biter. I agree. I just want to will it into existence because mm-hmm. here's my conundrum, Phil. I hate New York, man. Me too. I hate them. And, but I don't mind some of their players. Like they're good dudes. They're probably yeah, good people. And if they were free yeah. jacks, I'd be like all about them. So like, you know, like guys like Chance Wengluski, like the Chango and Pango thing they got going on over there. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. But forget those guys, man. <laughs> Atlanta. Let's go. Love it. Love it. I'm Get a picking dub Atlanta. or something. I'm picking Atlanta too. You know, ultimately it just comes to down to I want, you know, New, New Jersey out of it just to embarrass them essentially. And it's not, we're not talking about their fans specifically. We're not even talking about the players specifically. It's just the idea, the concept that the city of New York against uh, new England slash Boston area. We don't like them just because they're New York slash New Jersey. That's it. Um, That's what it comes down to. It's called a rivalry for a reason guys. And I want them to be embarrassed in the first round and get knocked out. And then they'll become the world famous Hoboken quarterfinalists and we'll be able to yes. call them that all this uh off season everything like that so it's going to be great um let's talk about the western conference first playoff game that is the houston sabercats at home at the only rugby specific stadium in the country for mlr and against the seattle seawolves great fans uh you know with seattle passionate good people um so the the i kind of like both of these clubs on the western side everybody kind of knows that but uh who you got yeah. Okay. So really crazy as well, because these two teams also split the difference in their, in their games. Um, it wasn't quite a blowout on one end, like it kind of was with Atlanta and New York. Um, but you had the sea wolves defeating the saber cats by seven points. That was that whole kick at the death mm-hmm. to, um, you know, secure them a playoff spot, Houston, where oh, we celebrate a loss. We remember that from last week. Um, so there was only seven points between that match. And that was very recent. But I believe it was only like two or three. I want to say it was two points. I want to, it was like 21 to 19, 21 to 18, okay. something like that earlier on in the season where Houston beat them at the Aviva Stadium where they will be playing mm-hmm. um, in Houston on June 12th. But man, I'm going Sea Wolves. All right. I hate Let's to go. say it. Let's go. I don't want it either. Because here's another reason why I don't want it. Okay. They made they made a very big point of it on today's broadcast with the Gilweenies and the Seawolves. They're like, well, these are the only two teams who have ever won an MLR Shield. Get them out of here. We don't <laughs> care about them. Get them out of here. We don't care about the Seawolves. They stink. And nobody gives a crap about the Weenies because when they look through their books, guess what's going to happen? Same story it's it's stand by uh, for that yeah you heard they, it here first they from have the bozo be, I'll, I'll be brave enough to say it that they, they have to be sweating a little bit i'm sure that uh shredder's working overtime there at uh gil winnie's headquarters <laughs> my brother hell um, yeah but i'm taking i'm taking the sea wolves in this one to make it crystal clear for everyone i who love got it, lost man. in my ranting ways I think ultimately you've made good picks here, and I think that's what I would pick as well, you know, based on my heart and maybe even my head, although the Houston one has me a little bit uh, more 50-50. But, you know, ultimately I'm hoping it's just two good games. Now, guys, I've I've stated it on this episode a couple times here. I just want to beat you over the head with it because if you have a Twitter account, uh, you know, join us on the – the Twitter spaces that we're going to be having for the Atlanta versus New Jersey game at – 
this is going to be Saturday, June the 11th at 8.30. Um, join us on Twitter spaces. where We have what's called the um, Ranger Tavern. So it's just all of us just kicking back and watching the game together um, in an audio format. We'll be able to talk to each other as uh, basically Free Jacks fans or neutrals, if you will, watching the game. So, yeah, it should be a good time. Really looking forward to it. Hopefully everybody can join us there at Ranger Tavern on Twitter spaces. I really challenge that neutral label. We're not going to be neutral. Oh, we're not going to be, I'm, but you know, yeah. other people may. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. All right. Maybe the big guy will join us. Scott Ferrara, get some, uh, get some New Jersey love in there. Yeah, that'd us. be great. I, I don't know if he's going to the, go to the game. If he's not, he might as well join us. You know, watch oh, it at yeah. home and, and he might uh, as well. Yeah, use the phone to be on the uh, the old Ranger Tavern. So yeah, that's all I got. So I did want to mention Storm Along, of course, is sponsoring this segment and every segment. This is the Red Skies at Night. Highly recommend it. It is made with. Uh, obviously apples, but also passion fruit and hibiscus. Yeah. Tart fruit forward and uh, tropical. Very delicious. One of my favorites uh, by them. So yeah, I've got two words or excuse me. I don't know why I said two words. Wow. One one word this time. We got one word. We got one word. Just one. (laughs) And O-N-E, one. (laughs) Three, two, one. Huzzah. Huzzah. Woo. Thanks, buddy. Woo. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I am joined with my buddy, Dave McVeigh. Dave, how the hell are you? I'm doing well. Battered, bruised, bloody, sore. Played uh, about 25 minutes of over 30 versus under 30 rugby on Saturday. Uh, that's my you. my quota for the spring. There you ref, go. Ref to half and play to half at tight head. So awesome. had a good time. Uh, it was great to get the Charles River boys together. Next year's our 50th anniversary as a wow. club. Wow, very good. So going to put a big uh, big emphasis behind getting an old boys side together for the Old Man of the Mountain tournament up in New yep. Hampshire. Yep. And uh, well, I should call it a festival. It's not a tournament. It's non-competitive. People will mm-hmm. correct you there. Uh, if you make that mistake, which is one of the great things about it. It's just a bunch of old guys hanging out, playing rugby. Wow. Um, when is this again? Uh, it actually was just uh, this past weekend. Oh, okay. Um, June 4th. Uh, okay. It's a one-day festival. Um, a handful of teams like the Wolfhounds and uh, South Shore. I think Boston sends a team. Mm-hmm. Um and this year they had an old boys team from Montreal, I believe, that came wow, down. Wow, very cool. Um, so, but it's just a small hand. It's like four or five teams. You kind of play around Robin. There's not even a you know, scoreboard or bracket or anything. Everybody gets a few games in. And, uh, you know, players out there, if you're uh, past your prime, but want to get out old boys rugby is the way to go man i absolutely hey, love it maybe i play for charles river uh you know maybe i maybe i i i, I uh, lace them up one final time well not one there final time go. maybe uh maybe i join you guys at some point yeah That'd absolutely cool. next summer's the big year we'll uh we'll have some games in the fall you know um to set the stage wow phil's come back to rugby that, that that's worth <laughs> documenting right there we'll have to get absolutely. like a film crew out but let's talk about the Free Jacks news first. Uh, I do have a couple of things that I wanted to mention. We have the Together We Ride live stream produced by our friends at Three Bod Rugby Group over there in Ireland with appearances by the Jacks Rangers show, members of the 1st Regiment and player staff of the Free Jacks on Thursday, June 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, guys. Um, we just recently had a meeting about this. 
really excited to bring all of these uh, organizations together to basically celebrate the Free Jacks um, uh, full uh, regular season. They just uh, if concluded essentially we're now we're in playoff mode. But uh, yeah, super excited about that. Also, we're going to have what's called Ranger Tavern. We do this every once in a while during the season. It's Twitter spaces. So if you don't have a Twitter, you can always sign up. If you do have Twitter, join us um, on the 12th or excuse me, I need to update this. Uh, MLR recently updated their website. They're going to be changing the New Jersey versus Atlanta game uh, to June the 11th now, I think at 830. So that's when our uh, Ranger Tavern is going to be. So basically, we'll just be shooting this shit, drinking some storm alongs inside of this Twitter space and watching the game because the winner of this obviously will play the Free Jacks in the Eastern Conference Finals. So should be a good time. I did want to mention, finally, we've got the Spider Appreciation Game. So our first uh, playoff game in history is going to be June 19th. Don't know who the opponent is at this point, but I wanted to uh, – this was an idea of Kenny and uh, John, you know, Rangers, first Metro members, all of those wonderful things. These guys are a part of uh, our fan base here, and they came up with this idea of honoring our best uh, super fan, and that is Spider. So everybody dress up like Spider. Get yourself a tricorn hat. Uh, see if you can find a Continental Army T-shirt. They're kind of hard to find. It, pricey with shipping. But if you can't get that, get yourself like a um, a Spider-Man uniform T-shirt. Those are out there on Amazon. And also bring your Daisy Dukes as well and wear those. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a hoot. Spider's such a great guy. <laughs> he's he's always got energy um, for the other fans Yes, uh, at our home matches. Everybody loves to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is just hilarious to be sitting there. Uh, at the stadium and just hear somebody from one or two sections away yell spider oh yes yeah and then you see him stop and hold his beverage up in the yeah. air and he's wave. like yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just such a great guy to be around so. he sure is man it, he's the he's the best of us as i like to say with the uh, super fans and he's the living embodiment of new england um can't wait to have him back on the show for season three when that does play take place after the off season here. But let's get into the New Jersey review. Um, so that was a final score of New England 14, New Jersey 21. Um, you know, obviously didn't go the way that we had hoped, but it says here a number of starting players missing from both teams. Uh, the game started quickly for New Jersey as Tua Loma rumbled over the try line. It was a couple phases after a lineout for the Old Blacks inside New England's 10-meter line, which will be developed into a pattern throughout this game, unfortunately. Conversion by Sam Windsor playing 12 was good. Interesting to note that Andy Ellis was uh, is a scrum half who was playing 10. Dylan Fawcett is a hooker that was playing flanker. And uh, Sam Windsor was a fly half playing 12 for Hoboken. And that was 7-0, to zero, five minutes gone. The, cl- the crowd was a bit flat and disorganized for most of this game, I noticed, from Section 5. I think playing a meaningless game, other than it being a rivalry game, played a part in that for sure. I was a little concerned about the attendance, but actually the fans, as the game you know kicked off, really filled up uh, and were mostly full, just like every game at Fort Quincy has been this season, Dave. Yeah, I think a Friday start means you're going to necessarily have some people trickling in from work you know red line delays that kind of stuff um i think they were very clever to offer um i don't know if it was just 
holders or what, but they, they extend and have the organization send them two complimentary tickets yes. uh, to get the attendance up for this game. And I certainly took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I brought my friend Mike. Uh, we had a great time. He had come to the uh, fest, you know, by his own admission. So he was excited to get back and, you know, pay a little bit more attention to the rugby, um, which I think is exactly the goal of the free jacks, right? Get yes. somebody in once they have a good time. Mm-hmm. They say, you know, the sport was pretty cool too. And then the next time they come back, they're paying a lot more attention yeah. uh, to what's happening on the field. So For that was sure. Mike's experience. Um, we had a great, great time. Uh, and the first half was certainly really interesting that, Slightly different look for both teams, which makes sense between rest and keeping things in reserve. You know, the commentators noted at one point that the Free Jacks line out was very simple, very, you know, kind of fundamental, just up and drive, uh, not really showing our hand very much. Yep. It, it reminds me of an American football preseason game where, you know, you're just running the most simplistic plays that every single team runs because you don't want to show your hand, as you're saying, to the other team that you may face in two weeks. Hey, you know, I think, um, you know, based on what I described earlier with the lineups switching around a little bit for Hoboken, they might have been doing the same thing where they were playing guys in different positions that didn't really look quite right. Um, and I think that they were playing those, those, those uh, strategic games as well against us. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And Andy Ellis is somebody who's, you know, put him put him at nine, put him at ten, put him anywhere you want, and he's probably gonna do something. Yeah. Uh, I mean he scored one on a pick and go, right? There's a Yes. <laughs> you know. Which is insane. But uh yeah, we'll get to that in just a moment. It says the backs joined uh another Hoboken RFC line out to mall inside New England's 10 meter line. Um there was, yeah, that's not an echo in the room, guys. This is something that they consistently did throughout the game. 38-year-old Andy Ellis eventually drove over the line at the 13-minute mark. Conversion was good. A normally rowdy crowd at Fort Quincy was silent, shrugging, and scowling, which was what I you know, pretty much do. Um, and uh, a perfect little stab through uh, happened with Jack Reeves. He sees Paula Bellincana dive over to score the Jack's first points of the game. Chance uh, Winslowski was caught in the celebration and the vampire hilariously held him in there for a moment, which was funny to see. And the yeah. highlights Waka's conversion was good. So it's seven to 14, 20 minutes gone overall. Um, first 20 minute thoughts there, David. Yeah, it was fast and furious. Um, New York certainly came out with a vengeance. We know that they have such a good line-out mall. That's one of the things that has been their big threat all season. I'd be interested to see statistics, you know, heat map type stuff. I, I would, if I had to guess, I'd guess they're the most try scoring team with those five-meter lineouts in the league. They're just really consistent, um, very much bread and butter for them. So uh, certainly looked like a looming threat you know uh, their ability to just do that but means that if you give them a penalty anywhere and you know even in about the middle third of the field they're going to be able to kick it into that corner and then threaten you with a really nasty ball yeah so um you know maybe there's some tricks in the back pocket that we'll see should a conference final against them come to light uh it'll be interesting to see if new if Atlanta has anything effective to stop it next week, you know we yeah. can talk about that in the Twitter Spaces. Absolutely, um, live chat will be something to watch for. You know, I'll be getting excited anytime Atlanta <laughs> has a chance to uh, put a stop to those New York malls. Absolutely. Um, 
it's something that we will definitely have to correct if we see New Jersey again, because you can't just let them go down there and do that over and over and over again. Um, you know, you got to have your, you got to give yourself a chance to win that game. And that's, that's their bread and butter. We talked about it. I feel like we talked about it last week. We talk about it anytime that we play New Jersey is this, that team has been so successful with doing that for years on end. Dylan Fawcett is one of the top try scorers in the entire league because of that attack that they have. Um, inside the, uh, the you know ten meter line there with the the uh, line out to mall situation, but uh, what well in the second half it felt like it's we've seen this movie before, New Jersey All Blacks with a line out uh, inside the Jacks ten meter line. This has been Hoboken's bread and butter for years with Dylan. Paul. I just yeah I just I basically yeah. was reading through what I've already described here. Um, but he was actually playing flanker in this game, so a bit yeah. of deception on Hoboken's part. The big push came in uh, in the form of the uh, most of the back line joining. The the mall this try was actually scored by geiger who was playing hooker conversion was good 21 to 14 there um and right before halftime wayne vanderbank the julian edelman look-alike destroyed the <laughs> gain line as he always seemed to do and pass it wide to our boy terrell peta who dotted it down in the corner as i said on twitter so happy for him after all that he's been through over the past you know few months the conversion was good and if you guys have noticed on the uh, the social internets there the um the rugby network work able was able to put out something really cool um about Terrell and what he's been through lately so uh, if you haven't checked it out very 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 cool stuff to watch there um so you know 14 to 21 at halftime that last try by the Jacks seemed to lift the spirits of the crowd a little bit yeah, I know that I, yeah at halftime you know Spider was walking up past me and he says we're gonna win we're gonna win so you know it really felt <laughs> like uh we were feeling a little bit optimistic what were your overall first half thoughts there Dave um is getting increasingly chippy. I was really, really happy to score at the end. I think from a momentum perspective, that was really big. Mm -hmm. um, first half thoughts overall. Um, you know, I think both teams played really well. I actually think it was a pretty good first half for the Free Jacks, um, except for a few... Uh, maybe ball handling errors and just, you know, mm -hmm. maintaining possession a, yep. as well as we should. I thought it was pretty good. And then, of course, you'd always want to stop uh, some of those malls. We did get a stop. Um, so, you know, maybe one out of three is about what you can hope for with those five-meter drives. Um, but I was excited. I, I mean, I was having a great time. I yep. felt good about the victory. I would have agreed with Spider, you know, at that point still. Um, and I was bracing myself for what was sure to be a rapid fire back and forth, high scoring second <laughs> half, Phil. For sure. Yeah, man. Uh, of course, that did not come to be. Um, what happened was the scoring went away like United in rugby, New Jersey's name in the second <laughs> half. Waka and uh, Andy Ellis got introduced to each other in the 50th minute with both getting yellow cards. A slightly late tackle on Ellis by Waka seems to start the disagreement, which resulted in a scuffle on the ground and then a big swarm of players doing the traditional jersey grabbing, as we always uh, love to do against New Jersey. The Free Jacks had plenty of opportunities to score, but the attack looked frantic and out of ideas at times against the all blacks 
or excuse me, the old blacks defense. It reminded me of watching the USA Eagles try to attack against a tier one nation. It just, you know, didn't, didn't quite happen. You know, you have to give credit to New Jersey's defense there. They look very strong throughout the entire game. And, and as you were talking about the handling errors, it actually triggered me to think about the Toronto game. Um, it just didn't look quite sharp with um, trying to catch some of those passes and stuff like that. But, you know, again, it, when the defense is that good that you're facing, you kind of have to do desperate things and you look frantic and it just, it didn't, didn't look very polished, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think it was only a little unpolished, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we're, we're a little bit spoiled on the free Jacks. We are so used to our execution being uh, near perfect, right? That Toronto certainly was a, was a, you know, a game full of poor execution. But this game, I think you're right that a lot of it was just defensive pressure, challenging those yeah. those skills and those decision-making moments a little bit. Um, and overall, especially considering how high the temperature was at oh, the yeah. match, you know, um, not a not a not too undisciplined a performance. Uh, the the heat was definitely building all the way from the first half. We didn't mention. I think it was. Was it Jack Reeves that had the big tackle on Milner Scooter there where he took him kind of level and then drove him down? And oh, there was yes. A little there was bit some, of a little yeah. bit of a scuffle. Again, yeah. no no punches, but another one of those everybody's grabbing everybody moments you know, that you ex- broke up. And he was – I mean, he was penalized for it. Just yeah. a general dangerous tackle penalty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you expect these type of big hits in a rivalry game. You know, you want to make sure that you're letting your, um, your biggest rival know that, hey – we're here, man. Like mm-hmm. we ain't going to lay down for you at all. So yeah, yeah uh, it, it, it was fun to watch for sure. We just, we're not on the end of a winning battle and it's, uh, Hey, that's somehow sometimes that just shakes out the way it is. You know, it's just, it sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think things really actually calmed down after the fly halves got carded. Yeah. Um, both teams had people who could, who could slot in really capably into that slot. So it didn't end up being terrifically impactful. Both, New York and New England just kind of continued to run the game they wanted to run. Um, I kind of liked Mitch Wilson at, at fly half. I am a you know open Mitch Wilson fan. Yep. Um, I like Boyle a lot as well, but uh, it was fun to get a look at Mitch Wilson because obviously Boyle's generally going to be your uh, first look back up. For um, sure. But you know one of the advantages of uh, Iron Man himself is he can do everything. He's got that Tony Stark brain. Uh, yes, um, he does. <laughs> so that was that was really fun. And I think really you have to credit both teams for calming down after that point. It's yep. not easy. And the discipline did improve from that point on. So mm-hmm. I, I had to also credit Anselmi, um, the referee, for that call. It seemed to be the right thing in the moment. Um, at the match, I was kind of questioning it. Like, is this really, you know, like carding both fly halves seems like kind of a left field sort of decision. Yeah. Uh, but the effect was pretty good from a game management standpoint. It seems to have seemed to have dropped the temperature a little bit and got us, uh, even though there wasn't any scoring, got us a little bit cleaner of a second half, I felt, from especially the last 20 minutes or so. I got to tell you, uh, both fly halves getting a yellow card was not on my bingo card whatsoever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who would have saw that coming for sure? Um, yeah. 
let's talk about the end of the match real quick here. I've kind of summarized it, but there was a couple things that did take place that I wanted to mention. There was one last glimmer of hope from the human truck stick, uh, Paula Bellancana, bursting through the gain line only a few meters from the line. The Jacks were never able to seal the deal for a tie despite several advantages, a yellow card for New Jersey, if I recall correctly, and penalties. The Hoboken RFC defense was so solid. In a game that meant nothing for the Jacks in terms of points, the players actually did play their heart out and the crowd got into the game as it went along, uh, trying to will the Jacks to at least one more try there at the end. Notorious New Jersey sympathizer Matt McCarthy was at the game <laughs> and was very impressed with Fort Quincy and the atmosphere, although we never saw him in Section 5. I wonder why. Mm, can't uh, imagine. <laughs> yeah, the Jacks did um, obviously win this series with New Jersey. Two wins, one loss. Our boys awkwardly accepted the Chowder Club, the Chowder Cub, excuse me, which was quickly brought back to the locker room by photographer Brendan. Despite the loss, New England continues to dominate the, the overall series four to two at this point against our little brother. Overall thoughts on the entire game, Dave? Uh, it was very entertaining. It felt really nice to watch a game and not have to care too much about the outcome. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, during uh, the LA game, which just concluded against Seattle, as yes. we're just concluded as we we're recording this, um, I was talking to my friend who's an LA fan who were in a similar position where they're playing a team who are, you know, minor, you know, a little bit of rivalry out there with Seattle. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those things where he's like, hey, you know, we've already locked up the bye and yeah. we're, I'm just here to have fun. He was at the game, had a blast. LA didn't win. And I said, you know, don't worry about it. We're doing a thing this week where, you know, cool kids lose games. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just get, take our bye. And then we go into the conference championship, you know, yeah. ready to swing. Absolutely. Um, I kind of enjoyed Anselmi um, and Bonasso chatting in Spanish when you have, you That's know, cool. uh, uh, Joe Johnston was a little bit the odd man out because he's in there as the captain like, and <laughs> obviously almost all the communication with Joe was, was in English, but of there course. were a couple times where, it, it seemed more like the shouted over distances, you know, phrases where, you know, he was asking him at one point, you know, está bien, like everything good over there, like, you, you know, just getting the okay in Spanish instead of English. Um, that was a cute touch. I love how metropolitan and international MLR is. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, obviously, we have some things to correct going into the playoffs no yeah. um the lineouts were not consistent at all mm -hmm. um you know no uh, it, it's tough to come in that was the first real live rugby um you know for for uh oh god isaac owens right um and uh, javon camp yeah and yeah and javon camp that's right he's he's been um he was very good, I thought. Very good. Um, yeah, looks real good. I was really impressed. He looked good in the air in those lineouts. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting interesting outing overall. And if we can get the lineouts dialed in, you know, we've been saying it all year. Uh, yeah. That's that's probably the biggest area of concern going into the playoffs, just because it should be such a consistent platform. Um, if we can, you know, we play a game where we're keeping possession on our own throw um as we would ex as we would expect to be generally uh i think we're just about unstoppable 
Yeah, uh, just got to get a couple things corrected as you're talking about. You know, hopefully the guys have a couple days rest here uh, and are able to get back to practice and tweak some things prior to learning who their opponent is. And then once they learn who the opponent is, you know, scheme that up and get ready for that game on the 19th. Plenty of time for that. I did want to go over musket size pants stint real quick. Sam Windsor is a 34-year-old Australian fly half. I'm surprised LA didn't trade for him in, uh, this season with all of their injuries. Uh, six foot one, 207 pounds. All three conversions were made in this game against the Jacks. Um, as told to us by TK, which is essentially the general manager of the Free Jacks, uh, Windsor spoke with the Jacks prior to signing with New Jersey in the offseason, which adds a little bit of drama to the rivalry. Um, and I'll let you go first for MVP. Yeah, for me, MVP has got to be Tralpita. He had a great work rate. Um, he was really cool under pressure. With all the argy-bargy, there was one mall in particular that ended, and he had kind of jacked one of the uh, New York second rows up out of the mall. They were on the edge, right, kind of two of the outside guys, yep. and Pete got his arm up under his shoulders and just, you know, hauled him up, almost like an uppercut, but he wasn't, you know, punching. He was just pushing him upwards, and uh, you know, the guy took a little bit of exception to it, grabbed Terrell, did a little bit of a shove, and you see Terrell... He, he drops his hands down to his hips and moves them to like back behind his body, mm -hmm. stepping back away from the guy. I mean, he could not be making it more clear to both the referee and yeah. to this guy that he's here to play rugby. He's not here for this, you know, right. shovey shit. Right. Um, I really appreciate that. You need all kinds. We've talked about the mongrel and, you know, needing guys who bring the edge and things like that. And we've praised people, um, you know, all right, guys, I think we just lost Dave. We're going to try to get him back on here. Hey, there you are. All right, we got Dave back here. So you were just talking about how it takes essentially all different types with a rugby um, uh, squad here with the mongrels, the guys that uh, get down and dirty, but you also have to have a bit of um, intelligence about the situation and, and discipline, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And I thought Terrell did a great job of embodying that. Um, on Friday, you know, you need somebody pulling in the other direction, keeping those guys, you know, uh, regulated a little bit. Yes. So he did a, he did a phenomenal job and I enjoyed, he got his try. He worked First really one hard. Yep. Yeah. Really hard around the breakdowns. Uh, I noticed over and over that he, um, was just challenging the New York support, keeping him honest. You know, he didn't, he, he wasn't able to generate a ton of turnovers, mm -hmm. but he really forced them um, to be there over and over and just kept them committed, kept that support tight and looking to clean out, which helped shut down the offload tip pass options. You know, if those guys are, are really worried about um, his threat to the main ball carrier. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's a great shout. I went in a different direction, but I, I, you know, as I'm listening to you and it makes a ton of sense to give it to Terrell. Um, so yeah, to hell with it. It's a losing effort. I'm going to give it to Terrell as well. He got the, his first try ever for the free jacks. Um, super proud of him and, and the effort, uh, you know, listen guys, he didn't have to come back. Like, I mean, it, it would be totally understandable if he stayed in New Zealand and, you know, just said, well, I'll, I'll be back next year, guys. I got to deal with stuff down here, but he wanted to come back to his teammates. He wanted to finish out the season uh, with the Jacks and, and have a good showing. And, and that's exactly what's taking place. You know, he starts at eight, which is his natural position. I think it's fair to say he goes into this game, plays well, you know, keeps his head about him um, and scores a try. 
and uh, you can't really do much better than that. So I'm, I'm going to have to give it to him. He's our boy, too. Listen, he's one of our favorite Free Jacks. I don't mind saying that. He's a great interview, great great kid just in general. So, yeah, uh, Terrell Pita is the Storm Along man of the match, the MVP. All right. Uh, we don't have a review – or excuse me. We don't have a preview uh, to go into because the Free Jacks have a bye. So any final thoughts? My thought is that the Dallas Jackals, God love them, gave up 752 <laughs> points this um, I just find that number to be remarkable. Yeah. Uh, credit all their fans. Shout out to any Dallas fans. I don't know if there's any that listen to us, but uh, – you know, if you see one in a bar somewhere, see somebody wearing a jackal's hat, shirt, uh, or somebody who just looks particularly sad in the next yeah. couple of weeks, buy them a beer. Uh, you know, those troopers. Uh, incredible their season record heading for the free jazz. Um, really, really exciting. Uh, I had so much fun this year, uh, and I'm really looking forward to the postseason. Already got my tickets locked up. Yes, and me too. Rejects fans out there, get the tickets. I think there's going to be some sellouts. I cannot imagine a scenario where somebody's sad that they bought tickets earlier. No, listen, uh, you know, that's a great point to, as a final thought here is, you know, uh, Free Jacks fans all over New England or all over the world, make sure that you're joining us on June the 19th and let's truly have a home field advantage. We've had a great home field advantage all season long, you know, certainly the best and most passionate and loudest, most engaged fans in the league is the New England Free Jacks fans, the Rangers out there, if you will. So let's go ahead and prove that on national television, the entire MLR eyes will be on Fort Quincy that day. Let's make sure we're loud as hell. Make sure everybody's dressed up like spider. It's going to be hilarious in the stands. Um, but, you know, loud and proud from the time the kickoff starts to the final whistle. Let's get out there and just yell our our voices until they're completely hoarse and we lose our voice because that's what it's all about is we want to have that home field advantage um, and uh, make sure that our opponent, whether it be New Jersey or Atlanta are just scared out of their wits to walk uh, into Fort Quincy once again. Absolutely. Uh, home crowd really brings that and it makes it so much fun to be there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Dave, your internet bandwidth is about as bad right now as New Jersey's home record. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and said, say one word to get us out of here in three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah! All right, Rangers, tell us how we did. Send us an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube. All of our audio segments have a visual companion to them on YouTube. And finally, if you haven't left us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate that on whatever social media hosting platform you're listening to this on. Absolutely cannot exit the video without telling you about our friends and the primary sponsor of of the Jack's Ranger show. That is Storm Along American Hard Cider. Use promo code TJRS for 10% off your first online order at their website, stormalong.com. Get their cider delivered right to your door or check out their locator to find locations where you can find Storm Along near you. Respect the apple is their motto and their ciders are always made with 100% high quality, fresh, 
hard-pressed, locally-sourced apples from across orchards here in New England. Okay, so we're going to talk about American Revolutionary War history on this day. In 1776 in Pennsylvania, Congress began requiring monthly status reports from all non-combat or supply departments of the Army in Canada. That's going to do it here for us here at the Jacks Rangers Show. Everybody keep a close eye on what takes place this weekend in Atlanta, and we will see you hopefully at the live stream. Make sure you tune in to the live stream on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. also ranger tavern on twitter spaces saddle up let's ride go free jacks and huzzah Woo!